Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Thank you for joining us here on Orgasmic Tourist today. Before we dive into this episode, we want to issue a trigger warning for potentially sensitive content that may be discussed. This episode may contain discussions about topics that can be distressing and triggering, including the following domestic violence, mental and emotional abuse, sexual assault and rape, sexual acts, suicide, and child abuse. We want to prioritize your well being above all else. Please do not feel obligated to listen to this episode if you believe it may be harmful or distressing for you. Your mental and emotional health are incredibly important to us here at Orgasmic Terrorist. If you choose to continue listening, please ensure that you have a support system in place or seek professional help if needed. Thank you for your understanding and take care of yourselves always. Welcome to Orgasmic Terrorist. Jenna and Sarah's here. Hi, guys. So we have a really great show today. We have a special guest. I am rubbing my hands. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this interview all week long. We have Jenna. Who is it? Madam Phoenix Rose. National Dom. We're so excited to have her here and to be able to ask the questions and get some information to share with the masses. Thank you for coming today. My pleasure. I am Madam Phoenix Rose, and I got into this lifestyle of BDS roughly about 13 years ago. It's been an adventure, to say the least. All kinds of learning. Been a sub and a dom and a pro dom pretty much all over. Madam Phoenix Rose, what inspired you or motivated you to pursue a career as a dominatrix? So the inspiration came when, as I was exploring my own adventure as a sub, I know the struggles of what it's like to hide from everything, but need that mental basic escape is the best way I always put it. And I found that a lot of people actually are very ashamed of needing that, but they want it and they need it. So as I got stronger mentally, I was like, you know what? I'm okay. I want to give this to these people that are ashamed of wanting it. I want to be their safe place. So that's when I started. I got my training and I got very well-rounded educated. So once I built up the confidence and everything, I started the pro Wow. I'm excited. And I feel the same way when I at least swing a whip on somebody because I'm a switch. I'm a top in public, a sub and private. And I do appreciate that. Yeah. I So I'm a sub all the way around. It's <laughs> just Straight up sub. I I don't know. I keep flirting with the switch stuff. And I I definitely have partners where I step up as a switch in the other way. But you, I'm absolutely fascinated right off the bat. You said that you went into training. Can you tell me a little bit what that looked like? I did not do the old fashioned training where they take huge dungeons and things like that I've heard about. I just basically, I did a lot of research. I took on mentors that have been in it for decades at the time. explored multiples of them and I vetted them to make sure that I was getting the right stuff. And there were hurdles, there were guts, and that's how you also learn too is you can't go straight for the this is how it is. You have to see what all is out there. So you have to have those hiccups. You have to have those faults. Just so you know what to warn others about when you are taking them under your wing as well. And you've been doing this for thirteen years ish? I subbed myself for about three to five years, roughly. It was on and off. So I've been doing the dumb for about three years after that. And then it was pretty much instantly people just wanted to pay me for it. So I was like, yeah, I'll start pro-doming. What a horrible thing. <laughs> they were like, yeah, you're doing something right. That's amazing. <laughs> God, I would love to get paid to be hit- hitting people. Second job. <laughs> what types of services do you offer? Do you have any specialties now that you you're doing your pro-dom stuff. My specialty is impact, borderline status. I get entertainment off of when they giggle when I'm inflicting pain. It's a challenge. I giggle a lot. I've had my fair share of those. And I'm like, oh, really? That's what we're going to do. Okay, let's try this. But ultimately, I'm more of a mental sadist. I will lay out my spiked paddle so they get to see it. 
whether I use it on them or not, they don't know. And how I'm going to use it on them, they don't know. That's the actual status part of me that I really enjoy is the messing with the mind in a good way that keeps them out of their head, not in a bad way, the red flag kind of way. It's literally meant to keep them out of their head. But that's my biggest specialty. I do fendom as well. A lot Can you of explain men- the difference between the two? The difference between impact and fendom is impact is physical. You lay hands on them, you lay toys on them, and things like that. Uh, is financial. And then there's also fem, which is F-E-M, and that's a female. Males that like to dress like females. My specialty is the fen, which is the financial. And that's where they hand over, basically, depending on their boundaries, they hand over their paycheck. Wow. And, yeah, it takes a lot of trust, but they want that freedom to not have to worry about it. And you create a budget and everything like that. So it's F-I-N-D-O-M. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. You just blew my socks off. And so let me, I'm going to sit in this for a moment. They hand you their paycheck and you basically pay their bills and give them a budget or. Yeah. And I could have steak while they have ramen. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. And of course it always depends on their boundaries and stuff because that's very well negotiated in because I don't want to ever push someone too much. I don't want to make them uncomfortable, even though. You get some that are like, whatever you want. No, you don't want whatever I want. I want to make sure you can still survive and stuff like that. If we build trust, I can push you a little bit more. But right out of the gate, it's not going to be whatever I want. Not even close. Do you have a limit on how many clients that you have at one time? That's a lot. I've never even wrapped my brain around that. So currently... It's based off of what their needs are and stuff. I don't have an ongoing limit. Currently, I'm not super active. I basically let them come to me because of my mental been a little bit rocky. So I don't, the advertisement and the content and everything. Plus I do school and I have a regular day job on top of it that I'm just like, you guys come to me, you hear about me, we'll talk. And then depending on what their needs are, we'll let me know how many I take on. Wow. I just took a class with Jenna the other day about getting into the profession of being a pro dom. It was more for education. And I was blown away about all the pitfalls that they came up against. They basically have a checklist that these gentlemen had to jump through or individuals could be female as well, had to jump through to even get to be able to talk to you. Do you have something like that? Because you're saying how they come to you. So because of the, all the media and stuff, they always try to message and just say hi and stuff like that. And then I give them that whole, you need to send tribute before I'll even, I'm even going to talk to you. Here's a list of everything because it can be excruciating long for no pay just to, for them to go, never mind. Why did we even do this? And the problem is right now that I come across is also why I've backed I've stepped back a little bit is there's so many what our industry likes to call and rightfully fake subs. Really? Can you guess what that is? They don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and they are just quick to just kneel for the sake of the fact that it's called, we're called mistress and madam and queen and stuff. I'll kneel before you and give you everything. I just want to say, no, that doesn't work that way. They haven't, seem to have an idea in their head, but they don't know anything about the actual lifestyle. They don't know protocols. They don't know any of that. They don't know boundaries. They don't know what they actually want. They just, but then you start putting. Do you shy away from them if that is the case? If they do go through your process and they do the tribute thing and you've had the conversation, but you know that they are new, is that still something that you're willing to do? Or do you have, no, I only work with People that have been submissive for years, or is there something that stops so you? So, yeah, to clarify, there's a difference between new and fake, though. So, fair fakes tend to have just this idea in their head, and they're not willing to listen, and it's about what they want, and it's not an actual dynamic, and they're just literally just being a fake because they know nothing about it, and they have no interest in learning it. They're just doing a fantasy. News, they are very exhausted because it takes a lot of work a lot of training but they are ones that can be actually the most rewarding at the same time so depending on what's on my plate i will take on new ones because again i don't want them to have the shame 
and I want them to be comfortable. So if they seem super eager and grateful to be talking to me and they are comfortable with me, then I'm like, okay, we're going to take another skill. And it's going to be a very slow process to what you believe it's going to be because you're new and there's a lot to go down. Yeah. I get this is like that specifically. We've really been focusing on consent and boundaries this season because I keep saying BSM is an eyelash away from assault. We all know this, especially if you deep into it and you're super masochist or super sadist. We all know how this can look. In this profession of yours, how do you ensure that your sessions are consensual and respectful of your clients' boundaries? Do you have like when they first come in, I'm assuming, and again, I'm assuming, so please tell me if I'm wrong. It's a lot of sit down and let's go. What do you want? What are you looking for? What's a hard yes? What's a hard no? All of those things, I'm assuming. Is that kind of what that looks yes. like? Okay. Absolutely. I go through a very detailed and I even drop a contract as well so that it's black and white uh, as far as, okay. So I start off with, okay, how do you envision this session going? Just let me know what's in your head. What are you picturing? And then I'll pick it apart go, okay, why this? Why that? Is that really practical? What are you actually? And we will go from there. And then once we get it all dialed down, I'm like hard limits, soft limits, absolutes, only sometimes medical. And even before a session, I'll confirm with them, you're still mentally okay. Where are we at? Because I don't like to do sessions with people that are on the borderline of not doing mentally good. There's a reason behind that. Sure. Another question that leads into that. So if you do, you were just saying you guys flesh out a scene-ish, gives ideas to you, you decide from there what that scene looks like from them. If you're, and this keeps in mind with the consent, if your sub at that time, mid-session comes up with something that you guys did not discuss prior, and is do this to me, do you find that you will not do it in that session because it was not previously discussed at the beginning? Or do you slip that in? And then as you're doing these scenes, how do you continue to monitor consent? Especially we got masks, we got gift masks, we got stuff. Like if there's not, I guess I'm just asking for different ways of you looking for consent from people. We're just trying to explain that to our listeners of it doesn't have to be obviously safe words. We've said nothing but how important safe words are. I go nonverbal and I don't use them. And so my Dom knows the other cues for me. And it's been very two and a half years of deep learning for each other. But how do you do that within a session? Hopefully that wasn't too much all at once. You're totally fine. So sessions are laid out very loose. The consent is the hard limits and soft limits. I will never and nor should anyone ever throw in a hard limit. That is the extent of the consent is... If it's a hard limit and they all of a sudden are on a sub high and they want that hard limit, I don't care. It's not happening. Not even a little bit. Will not. I'm done. We're going to call it because that is unsafe. I'm not going to have you be traumatized from it. No. No. And that's what the hard limits are for. (laughs) I'm aware of what they are before I go into it. So even if they are flying high, it's still a no. So that leads into a question for me. So if I am exploring my sexuality and I originally said a hard limit is no anal. And then later after playing with you for a while. So like in real life, no anal. (laughs) Real life. For for true, it's a hard limit. But if I come back to you later and say, I'm interested in exploring that, you you will help or adjust the limits as the person grows. Is that a capable is that allowed oh absolutely everything's allowed but i will never do a hard limit in the heat of the moment yeah and then there will be a discussion that happens later on going okay how are you is there stuff that you want to that you're curious about and we always have those discussions because it's all about exploring maybe you're curious about a spanking but you i don't know i'm going to test on it because you don't know and then we're going to talk about it Later, I'm not going to do multiples. I'm not going to do all that. I'm just be like, here's the spanking. How do you feel about it? What's it do to your head? And I'm under the belief that as long as it's not a hard limit, try it more than once because it's going to mess with your head. I shouldn't like this. I shouldn't like it, but I do. But no, I shouldn't like it. Try it again. 
because now you're prepared for what your body is going to do and how you're going to feel. And that will allow you to free up your mental space of, okay, it is okay to like this. Uh, you got to try it more than once. Are there specific aspects of the domination that you particularly enjoy or focus on just for yourself? Or is this more of like in the aspect of the dom part? Is it like, is it who you are? Is it what you do? Or is it both? It's what I do because I'm already a mom. I already, as my vanilla career, I already am a manager. So I'm a dom pretty much the entire time. But I do thoroughly enjoy making people comfortable with this lifestyle. So it's what I do. I like bringing people joy to being comfortable with, it's okay, you can do this. Fine, you're curious about it. Let's do it then. You don't have to stick with me. You don't have to. But I want you to be safe because I've heard horror stories. But I'd rather you be safe. Yeah, there's yeah. there are stories. Can you describe an instance where you had to navigate a challenging situation with a client? There was a client that she was a challenge every time she was a client. She was a repeat and she battled with multiple personalities. Yeah, she had something like 36 of them or something like that. And she had fibromyalgia and there was a couple other things. So every time I did a session with her, it was literally a, where are we at? And there was times that her fibro would be flaring up and she didn't realize it. Or she'd go in for just the impact and then we'd get into it and she'd realize, no, you need to push me. I'm, I need a breakdown. I'm like, okay. But I'm also navigating around your mental health and your fibro. It kept me on my toes. That's for sure. But she always kept coming back. I always gave her exactly what she needed. Is that, was there anything in that? And I guess this kind of leads into another question, which is just basically, how do you handle situations where a client may have unrealistic expectations? It's, I'm guessing it's just a conversation of, hey, these are all the things that we're dealing with today. And here's where you're at. And I totally appreciate so much you meant you mentioning the importance of how you feel your client came to you mental health wise that day, because it is a big deal. It's different for everybody. And you're obviously in that position. You are, you're Jeebus. You are top of the line. You're top tier and you have to really be managing that type of thing. So was there any unrealistic type of scenarios that you had to deal with her, especially just because, or is it, it, it figures itself out in the scene as it's happening and as you guys are communicating? I like to believe that because I communicate so well with them, I try to keep them where they're at. It doesn't tend to be an issue with my sessions because a lot of my sessions are about the mental escape. It's might be physical, but it is actually so that they can check out. So if they end up breaking down, they end up breaking down because I already know that's just my particular style is I take on ones that are needing the breakdown but don't know how to break down. They're about to start cutting, so I'm going to do an impact session on them instead. That kind of thing. So I already know they're delicate flowers, if you will, but I'd rather them come to me. Wow. And I'll handle their breakdown. I'll handle their breakdown. That's I'm prepared for it. And so I've had means- ones that didn't think it was coming, and then they just ended up breaking down anyways, like we got 10 minutes into it. Wow. Crazy. That'd be me. <laughs> Not the cutting part. Sorry, let me make that clear. But like definitely attitude adjustment, and I'd just be, I knew I needed this. Thank you. So that leads into a question I have is how do you handle medical or health concerns that arise during a session? So we're talking about the mental, but what about medical issues? Have you come across that? The only medical I've come across, because I always address medical history ahead of time. So say the kneeling, if they let me know that they have bad knees, then they've got to let me know how long is there a different position you are more comfortable in? Because I'm not here to put you through uncomfortable torture, put you through <laughs> torture, but it's consented torture. But if your knee is going to cave, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the other fun torture. We go through all of that. And with her, it was her fiber was acting up. So we navigated around her body and it was different toys that were used as opposed to normal. It was just, it's communication. It's really what it- That's fascinating. Just learning about that today. That's just, oh, speechless. 
I know this is probably like a kind of goofy question, just but for the masses, do you keep like a medical safety emergency kit or anything on hand for your sessions? Absolutely. I don't go severe, Matt. I've only drawn blood a couple of times because that's not the extent of my sadist side. But yes, I do. I have scissors. I have gauze. I have all of the medical. I have a birth aid kit. All of that. Because you never know what's going to go wrong, even on a, a light session. Yeah. We had a medical emergency with one of my friends at a session this just this weekend. She passed out and it was due to the adrenaline rush. And it was unforeseen and everybody was all worried and well, why did this happen? And nobody was listening to my friend who was saying it was literally all this emotion I was having all week and the adrenaline rush and just took me completely out. And it was nobody's fault. <laughs> she keeps reiterating that to everybody that it wasn't anybody's fault. I'm okay. Thank you for taking care of me because it became a big deal in the dungeon when she passed out <laughs> and they're like, what happened? Why? But anyways, I digress. I have not. I So Sarah and I are vastly different. Our audience knows, but we do not. So I am very private in my, my subdom type thing. I experienced subdrop for the first time because I went and pushed all my boundaries at a club in front of people and no aftercare and all this stuff. And it was wonderful in the moment. And it was awful for three days after that. And I was like, okay, so this is clearly not for me. Sarah is a little scene queen that goes out and does all this stuff in public. And I'm so jealous. I think it's fucking amazing. So being that I have now experienced subdrop, Sarah, you still have not, correct? I have, but I didn't know I was having it, but it was with my lover previously. And it was after the 12 hours session. And then the next three days I was wiped out, but I didn't know that's what I was going through. Gotcha. So then we'll just leave in, leave in to you, madame. How, how do you handle that? Do you actually offer, and I feel like the reason I'm asking this is again, Sarah and I attended that class the other night and they were like, did they talk about aftercare in that class? I thought they didn't really provide any. They did, but it was all pre-planned, but it wasn't like a big extensive amount. Yeah. Do you you focus at all on aftercare for your clients? hundred percent. It's actually, they do not want it. Then it's a red flag for me and I do not engage. Because, yes, because, again, the health of my clients are a priority. Now, that being said, if they say they don't engage with me, they won't engage. If they say because I go home to my partner and they're the ones that give it to me, that's a different negotiation. But if they're like, no, I never need it. No, I'm not comfortable with that because you never know what's going to happen. I always have chocolate on me. I always have water. I advise them to bring something personal that would make them feel like at home, a hoodie, a blanket, a stuffy, whatever it is, so that at the end, or about 15 to a half hour, they get their version of aftercare. I had one client that aftercare they wanted taken out to dinner and just chit chat. That's different, but okay. But everyone's got different versions of aftercare, and that's what I talk about too is I go over what is yours? You want to be left alone? Does someone be left alone? We can leave you alone, but you're not leaving until you're okay. And I say ish because sometimes the drop doesn't happen for 24 to 48 hours. You don't know when it's going to hit, but I do have them and it is required that they check in with me the next day. One, so we can recap, but also so I know that they are still okay with the drop. Anything more than the next day. There's not much I can do because I don't know if they're going to have a drop and when it's going to happen. And at that point, they're no longer their client, but you're like constantly checking in. I'm like, do you have the directive that is longer than 24 hours that they can text you or let if it's a longer period that because, again, subdrop can start anywhere from immediate to like you're saying, 48, 72 hours. So if it is a longer period and then they realize, oh, I'm in it. Are they allowed to reach out and talk to you about it? Or is it just a done deal at that point? Again, it is still business. Um, So they can let me know as an FYI, but I'm not a therapist and it is a business. So they've got to thank you for letting me know. So that good to know that within that you will drop if you're going to drop 48 hours later. But I'm not a therapist. I'm not. It can sound cold, but take care of yourself. Thank you for letting me know. But I don't know. Totally. Yeah. And I didn't mean that in any accusatory way or anything like that. It's just, and it makes sense. Like you are a business and you do need to 
contend with the rest of your life. This is not your life 24 hours a day. You have a whole ass other life. So that makes total sense. And it's a boundary for you too, which I think is incredibly smart. I do have a question about maintaining confidentiality and ensuring the safe environments for your clients. What does that look like for you and your practice? It's all privately kept for me. I do require verification. So I know they're of age and everything, but if they want to block out, like when I get pictures of IDs, block out their address and stuff like that, totally fine for me. I just want to know who you are and that you are that person and you are of age. The rest of it, I'm like, we, I can delete this when we're totally done. I am, again, I'm a mom. I have my own personal life. I'm going to 100% respect the confidentiality because this is, unfortunately, in the eyes of a lot of people, a very shameful lifestyle, which it's not. But in the eyes of a lot of people, it is. So don't be embarrassed, but I will understand that we got to keep it quiet. So I just, just pretty much, I just want a name and a date of birth. So I know you're of age. You guys, do you actually have an NDA? Yes. Awesome. Just Breathe, Life, Relationship, and Intimacy Coaching. Are you struggling with trauma or relationship issues? Do you feel like you're stuck in patterns that are holding you back from living your best life? If so, it's time to take the next step towards healing and growth. Hi, my name is Jenna. I'm a life, relationship, and intimacy coach with over four years of experience helping individuals and couples overcome complex challenges related to intimacy, sexuality, and communication. I specialize in working with clients who have alternative relationships, clients that struggle with trauma, and teaching communication skills. Together, we can create a safe and supportive space for healing and growth and help you build the skills and tools you need to move forward with greater resilience and self-compassion. As a relationship coach, I also provide practical tools and communication strategies that can help you strengthen your connection and build a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. Whether you're struggling with conflict, feeling disconnected, or simply looking to deeper your connection with your partners. I'm here to help. I believe everyone deserves to have happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships and a satisfying sex life. And I'm committed to helping my clients achieve those goals. If you're ready to take the next step towards greater intimacy, connection, and pleasure, I invite you to schedule a consultation with me today. You can do this by visiting my website at justbreathewithjenna.com. I offer a free 30-minute intro session. Help is only a click away. Let me help you find the answers that are right for you. Yeah. Do you that have a awesome. do you have a facility that you go to and facilitate this, or do you do it at their place or a hotel? I may ask. Uh, I wish I had, a, but the area I'm in, it's they do not have one anymore. It went shut down during COVID, and it was just basically a sex club that had a kink night once a month. But the dungeons are all about an hour and a half drive away, and I'm like I'm not, that's not happening. So some of them do hotels. I do not host at my own personal place for safety. Some clients are okay at their house, but I, if that's the case, then I take my own protection and my own precautions and things like that. I have people I check in with and all of that because it is, it can be scary. You don't know what you're walking into, but even when it's just a hotel, I still have my own precautions. Wow. Yeah. I, that's awesome. I can't imagine. Yeah. As a woman, this is a whole other set like there's a whole other subset of safety precautions and everything that needs to happen i feel like that is as women we have to deal with every day i don't know any many men or any men that have to walk down the street with mace on their keychain or keys between their fingers or whatever else we have to do gun in her gun in the purse whatever the frick it is don't fuck with sarah y'all sarah lives in oregon you say that but i have two to three knives on me at any given time in my firearm (laughs) Hey, I got a stabby stick in my car and I got one in my purse too. So I'm fine. <laughs> I got a bully stick in my trunk. I'm good. Don't mess with us, man. We're the bitches. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think we're just smartly prepared. In this. <laughs> that's funny because Jen always says that I'm going to be the one that's killed because of all the protocols that I violated in my past. She goes, I'm surprised <laughs> you're not dead already. Yes, she has a story about a blue tarp, and I'm surprised her body was wrapped up in it and she wasn't disposed in a fucking dumpster in it. Just she's my little Sarah in her younger days. I will not say so much now, but she was a little not the most safety minded. How about that, my love? 
Fair. He was my lover of three years at that point when the blue tarp thing showed up. When so you weird. walk out into a living room and there's a fucking blue tarp in the middle of the room, I'm leaving. I'm like Scooby-Doo in the fuck out. I'm not, <laughs> not there enough to yes. be in the room with a blue tarp. Yes, but it did make for a fun night. I digress. Wonderful story. <laughs> exactly. All right. So beyond your whole business, obviously, and we talked about it, you talked about it just a little in the beginning. So I'm just going to ask again, are you involved in the BDSM or kink community currently? And if so, how are you, whatever that looks like for you? That's a loaded question. I'm not for multiple reasons. I currently am a full-time student. And I currently work full-time, and I am a full-time single mom. Time is scarce, but also where I'm at, the community changed to something I'm not okay with, so I just pulled back. I will engage with anybody that is in the community, but a community group that I was part of just... Yeah, it's hard when life takes over, like for sure. It's I know that... Sarah and I have been minus Dom type situations. Me, not so much anymore. I am happily ishiness back into that stuff. But yeah, going without it and having to put everything aside for whatever for life is totally acceptable and understandable. So I just hope that I, I wish for you more time so that you can use it to your own device and desires. It just takes up a lot of time because there's constant content that needs to be made and photo shoots and videos and you have to basically live on your phone or live on the internet and I'm just like no and then the people that approach you are they can put a toll on your mental state too because they basically think that you're a prostitute and it yeah it's mentally exhausting do you have a lot of expectation I'm assuming this is from an inexperienced fake sub people as opposed to maybe a legit person coming to you, is there a lot of misconception about the fact that they think you're going to have sex with them? Oh, there's a lot. A lot. I'm going to say probably upwards of 80% think that it's you're just going to have sex. Oh, wow. Wow. It's a huge because they're not educated. They know nothing about it. They're like, yeah, you, I can be your sex slave. And I'm like, no, I don't do anything sexual. That is not my thing. Not even a little bit. I am in it for the mental. But yeah, you get random dick pics. You get <laughs> talked to. I'm not even playing. It, yeah, the masses. I just got to the point where I turned off my messenger and I was like, nope, it's really hard to get a hold of me. You've figured out a way to get a hold of me. Still going to wait for the tribute before we talk. That leads into a question about do you date? Because I'm not equating to the paid for sex, but we're talking about your time management. Do you have time to date? Did you give up on dating? That's also a loaded question, too, because of my, a lot of things that I had to get together after my divorce. My kids came first. So I dabbled with the lifestyle while I was getting everything situated and getting my kids. I am, I have within the last year to two years finally been ready mentally to get back into that. But what I've done is made sure that once a week there is a time that I am off grid for the lifestyle i go out and i go play pool and i do me like my kids do their thing at home and i go out and i just do me if i meet someone while i'm there so be it fantastic but then i have my own boundaries of the date too because i'm like this is we have a whole checklist to do for that side of me too yeah yeah, especially as a single mother, there's a, that checklist is long, man. And it's a daunting checklist and it can be extremely tiring as we, dating is just shit. The whole thing sucks. <laughs> it's so rough all the time. Yeah, especially since I'm not in, I'm not a fan of the hookup world. So it's one of those, if it comes out that I'm a dominate, then they get like either put off or ooh, yay, yay. And I'm like, that's not who I am though. You have to be able to learn who I am as me, but you have to be willing to accept that's what I do. The concept of a stripper, that's just, right. if you date a stripper, they do have off-hour time. You're dating the off-hour person, not the stripper. It's the same thing. Yeah. For me, at home, darn. I'm just kidding. You can <laughs> but I watch it. while I practice for seven hours before I go <laughs> to work for eight hours, sure. What, uh, what does the dominatrix 
What personal satisfaction and fulfillment do you personally get out of this? Because I've seen a lot of dark stuff, I actually get personal satisfaction in knowing that I am keeping the ones that are mentally struggling safe. I like that. I like I know that, that a lot. Yeah, Sorry, I, I was feeling it just as much as Jenna was right now. <laughs> yeah. And Sarah and I have both had our experiences. And as I've said, and our audience has heard, like, I definitely have a shit ex-dom. So it's, and it, and yeah, yeah. So he is what I use as the no, just all the way around. If I see anything, he's my red flag all the way. So I do appreciate that. That's your thought. Like that's why you're doing this more than anything is just being able to provide a safe service for people that is of value and is of use and will not be used in a manipulative or harmful way. Like that means a lot to me personally, I think. So thank you very much for providing that for people. Absolutely. I actually have a a personal sub myself. She is up in Canada and she struggles with mental health and she's actually come a long way in the three, three or four years I've known her now. And we had it, we would have her one way of communicating, but if she was having dark thoughts and mentally struggling, she was to text me because that was an absolute emergency. You need to talk to me right now. And there's a whole process. But again, that's my personal one though. So there goes a lot more care and love into it. But I am happy to take on clients that are like, we have this rapport. I'm not doing good. I need to break down. Otherwise, it's going to go bad. Okay, let's get you a session. Let's get you broken down. Let's get your outlet. Wow. Yeah, I definitely get to that. I think I've Sarah and I have talked recently too, where it's like, it, it's for me as a sub, it is a mental, I need adjustments. I need attitude adjustments. And that's what I call them. And it, it gets to where it's been so long. And then I look at how like my protest behavior in my regular life and I'm like, oh, no, I need this now. I need it right now because this is what this is perpetuating. This lack is perpetuating this wiling out shit that I don't need. I just need a good beating. So, yeah, definitely. And it's probably because we're big, bad bitches in our regular life and we run households and careers and jobs and companies that we need to be adjusted in our minds sometimes. At least that's what I'm beginning to notice because I had a an experience this weekend that led me into going, oh, that was different. I like that a little more often, but we'll explore that later. Okay. So I want to go into this thing that, that has come to mind all of a sudden is, have there been any surprising aspects of yourself that you discovered through working with individuals like this? What have you discovered about you and your clients? What have you discovered about you because of your clients? I think because of everything I went through, I didn't really think that I would actually be happy taking on people that and clients that needed that breakdown, that needed all of that. Because I went through it and I had nothing and I had nowhere to turn. Once I started seeing the gratitude and the relief and things like that, it really shocked me that I was like, I am happy to do this. If it's going to keep you safe, I will happily do it. And also, I also realized that if it's not done properly and I've had an experience, you get taken for granted. I went to a house party one time and there was a bunch of tastings being given. Doms need aftercare too. They need checked in on. And I basically had an assembly line. And I'm also an empath. So I fed off of all of the energy on top of taking care of all of them, just quick ones because they're just tasting. And I actually had a dumb drop when I left because I was just a, thank you for giving me what I need. I'm moving on. And it just, how long, you know, did, the, just, how long oh. did that take the dumb drop? Did you experience that? We talked about that in a previous episode. It was because of the amount of energy and the amount of people there. And I did probably about 10 tastings. It, I believe it was a 48 hour job. Wow. Brutal. My heart yeah. goes out to you. Yeah. How has we're talking about it now, but is there anything that working as a dominatrix has really highlighted to you as a contribution for your own personal growth or discovery of yourself? It's made it very important of boundaries. And it's also made me realize that in my personal life, I cannot have a submissive male. I I can't. They can be an equal or we can take turns reading each other, but I cannot have a submissive male in my personal life. It just doesn't 
it doesn't work. Makes me cringe. I'm beginning to feel that lately in my search for a new partner. And that's why when I'm private, I'm subby. And if you're equally or subby with me, I'm not responding. I, I need somebody to dominate me privately to be part of my entity. I have friends that are subby and, and equal, but I want somebody that a little more controlling. And I miss that. I do miss that. So that's totally resonate with you. Yeah. I also discovered that I'm part primal. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a, and I'm a beta alpha. So I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. I'm a handful. If you're going to take me on, you're going to take on a lot. Because a beta primal is, we'll take care of you if you need your break, but you got to get back up. Yeah. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> I can love that. Sorry. I don't know why that struck me so funny, but it was like the perfect answer. <laughs> get up. <laughs> now. I mean, how many times I mean, do we tell our family, you didn't hurt. Get up and go. Is <laughs> the way to deal with the trauma. It resonates so much to me because I've had private breakdowns. I've had private moments because as a mom, you keep going. Yes. So if there's going to be a male that needs a breakdown moment, okay, now get back up because yeah. you're taking me on, which means everything that I do with my life, you got to be able to handle. I will handle you when you need your breakdown, but that doesn't mean you get to stay down there. Now I'm taking you on all the time. I've had exes that have done that to me. They realize, oh, she can handle me. She can handle everything. So I'm just going to stay this way. No, no, no. Growth is important for sure. No matter Mm -hmm. what. And energy matching energy is necessary to facilitate any long-term anything. So I feel you there. Are you by chance, and I don't know if you want to answer this or not, are you out to your friends and family about this aspect of your life or is this still just very private for you? Actually, a lot of them because I try not to, I guess it depends on who's around, but almost everybody knows that I am because I developed a mindset five years in that I was like, you know what, this is me. Take me or leave me. I really don't care. You're going to judge me regardless. So... You may as well judge all of me. No kidding. Do you have a good support system for yourself in and around this job? Uh, They're long distance out here again because I pulled back. I don't really have a support system out here because it's not a big city. Kind of on your own out here. But the people I do have there, I have a couple in town that are good, but we're all just so busy. We'll chit chat here and there. We can lean on each other. But for the most part, since I've pulled back, it's mainly just, I don't even know the last time I went to an event. Yeah, that makes sense. All things considered, life makes a way. And if you're stepping back, then obviously, yeah, I can completely imagine that. And I say I'm stepping back as far as the effort put forth to get my name out there. Now, if people come in and they want to be clients, the effort's still 100% there. Uh, But I don't. I'm not going to all these events after work and school and kids and then turn around and go to an event. I'm like, no, I don't have the energy for it. But if you care about me, contact me and follow the protocol. Yeah. Do all the damn things. Get yourself out there or don't. And that's nice, especially if they are coming to you. That's a nice little kickback there. Sure. Come see me. Are there any misconceptions or stereotypes about your profession that you actively work to dispel while you're actively being a dom even when i'm not actively if i hear about it it's the sexual there's so many misconceptions that i and some do but that's a side thing but it's not all about the sex in fact for me it's not about the sex at all Uh, people hear that and they automatically think that you're just dominant in bed no not even a little bit it's actually mental so much mental and i try to really get people to understand that it's not an in-bed thing. It can be, it can go that way, but that's not immediately what it is. That's fair. Do you work to, or have you in the past done any educational stuff? Obviously, like when you are out about listening to people and you hear this misinformation and you step in, obviously that's one way of education, but have you done any uh, outreach in the community that you're in or when you were in it? Um, or any advocacy or anything of that nature? I was actually on the verge of it before COVID. Mm-hmm. We were trying to, I was trying to get together some, I know, one classes and stuff like that. And then COVID happened and then just mental getting back into regular stuff happened. And I was like, 
I got to get everything else situated. Yeah, for sure. If this is something, do you think right now, because you've said that your life is very busy right now, if and when it does slow down, is it something that you're going to actively pick back up again? Or do you feel like this is just going to be that thing where you're just waiting for people to come to you going forward? I guess I'm just asking for the future. What do you feel it's going to look like for you? I like the non-pressure. So I will go to DomCon. I didn't, I missed it last year, but I, I go to DomCon. So if I pick up people there because I'm going to see friends and this vacation for me even, then pick up sessions, pick up clients there and stuff like that while I'm there. But there's no pressure. But to have the stress of making sure I make content and making sure I'm on my phone all the time. That's not something I'm wanting to really do again. I'd rather my, I'd rather like little ants go out and spread my name than. Yeah. yeah. That was in the class that we went to again. That was their thing too. It's Jesus Christ. They're just exhausted. It's a constant. And anybody that owns their own business understands that, right? Like my coaching business, it's fuck. I have to be on fucking social media. I have to be this inspirational coach with all of this wonderful shit to say. And I have to do Instagram and I have to do Facebook and I have to do, have to, have to, have to do. And I tell you, I can't. And so is my clientele list as big as it could be? No. Am I happy with what I have? Yeah. And when I'm lacking, then I'll go in and I'll try and put in some effort again. But I tell you, I can't be on the A game constantly with this shit. It is just leeching. Like I just feel less than when I am constantly out there trying to push and do that stuff. So I super respect, like I love the clients that I get from word of mouth, right? Because they're just, they've already had experience and information from people that I already know that already come see me that have wonderful things to say about me. And then there's, so there's already that kind of like little personal tie at least versus fucking cold calling. Just unalive me right now. I can't, <laughs> I cannot, I can't do it. It drives me nuts. And on the flip side of that, I'm social media queen, although I hate yeah. posting, but I'm like, I'll help organize a social media campaign for you, whatever, plan everything out and turn it over to somebody else because I have a marketing <laughs> background. But I get it. I get it. It is a pain in the butt to market yourself. But at the same time, word of mouth is important. Every time you talk to somebody, every time you are out in public, if you have cards, whatever, any little stuff can make a big difference for you. And as it has been with Jenna, I was out there in public and I found the perfect co-host. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Good. Sarah's power truly is the power of yes and the power of hi. How are you? I am much less so that way. So we we are very good and symbiotic in our relationship. So it's nice. I have a, a best friend and his he told me <laughs> this year, which I've been like soaking it in and living it. He goes, You know what your superpower is? And I'm like, No. And he goes, Your superpower is the power of the word yes. And I'm like, You're right. Because there's situations in my life where I'm like, all right. You don't know what I'm doing. That's fine. Let's go do it. So yeah, I agree. My superpower is just, I want a t-shirt or a tattoo, probably a tattoo because I'm a tattoo queen now. So we're going to wrap this up. I have a couple of more questions. Where do you see yourself in the future, both personally and career as a dominatrix? Ideally, I would like to have about two to four regular clients every month at Literally, no thought process behind it, no stress. That's what I would like to be doing because I'm also going to school for my career. And that's my vanilla career, though. So I want both of them to coincide. And owning my own house, and I would love to have a dungeon. Not a full-blown one, just a tiny one so that I don't have to struggle with where to take clients. There's a dungeon up here where we live, and that's where we had that meeting. And the dungeon was fascinating because... It was two beautiful dominatrices that run it and use it for their personal use, but they've set up this gorgeous setup. And I'm like going, what would it take to do that in my house? Besides kicking out everybody in my own house. And yeah, that's never going to happen. It was beautiful, like hanging stuff. And there, there was leather systems against the wall. I was like, I was turned on. It was exciting to be there. <laughs> the way they're running it too is that they they actually lease it out to other pro-doms too. So right. it's a wonderful space for 
professional doms, for clients, for private parties, for all that stuff. So that's really nice. I have one last question for you. Is there anything that you feel the listeners should know? Any words of wisdom? Anything that you want to impart about what you do, what you provide? Like, what are your famous last words for everybody? I here call today? it the mic drop moment. A mic drop moment. moment. What's your mic drop moment? Don't be afraid to ask questions. Pick their brains as well because it is about you as much as it is what we do. So your safety is a huge concern of ours. So put down your boundaries. Don't be a yes, yes, yes. Lay it all down. It's about negotiation. It's not a one and done. And if something doesn't sit well with you, walk away because of the reason it doesn't sit well with you. That's the biggest thing. Wow. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much for this interview. This is it's truly I've learned so much and I'm just tickled to death to be able to talk to you. Like it's been an amazing thing for me. Thank you very much. I appreciate you too. I'm tickled in so many fun ways. I just really appreciate you guys having me. And if you guys want me back, I'm happy to come back as well. Oh, I would love it. Yes, because I think you're fabulous. We want to hear stories. I'm 100% open. I I do not have really any. Oh my God, don't. Thank you so much for coming here. And we will have your FetLife ID as part of our bio on you in the show notes. I'm excited about that. But remember, send us your questions because we're going to have that last bit of question and answers. One of our last episodes, send it now. We'd love to hear your questions, what you want to know. And Madam Phoenix Rose is willing to answer. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been so good and so informational. And again, it's just, we just love to be able to provide information for people that probably don't have community or have any access to this stuff. And I think that you were able to answer a lot of really important and give a lot of really important information. So I appreciate you so much. With that being said, Sarah, go be good humans. Go be good humans, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmictourist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmictourist at gmail.com.